here, now, in this place. Uh, please do protect all those that are traveling for the holidays right now um, and bring healing to those that are out sick tonight. Uh, and Lord, I help, ask that you would help us to understand the scripture, to really uh, put our hands on it, to grasp it, to use it, to, uh, to use it as a tool and put it to good use this week. I thank you for it. Thank you so much we can be together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm glad that you're here. We are going to do some uh, unusual and different stuff. Ben likes it when I say that. We're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. And the series that we're on, we're calling Breathe in talking about prayer, uh, using 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 as our text. And we're focusing on the concept of a prayer of thanksgiving for others. And this is something um, that is an amazing tool when you put it to use. This can be a stress reliever. This can be really helpful. Um, I've referenced a medical study that was done with a, a large group of people, and they split the group in half, and they did a full health study at the beginning, um, many health and stress indicators, and for half of the group, they had them live their life like normal. And for the second half of the group, the only change they made is they had them sit down once a week and write down five things they were thankful for. Once a week, sit down and write out five things that they were thankful for. And they had them do it for 10 weeks. And at the end of the 10 weeks, they pulled everybody back together again, did the same health and stress study all the same metrics about their health and their stress. And what they found is that straight down the line, those that had done nothing different were the same as they were before, the same level of health and stress. And those that took a moment to pause and think about what they were thankful for were healthier and less stressed. Isn't that cool? Now, gratitude works. So here's, here's our text. Let's have a look at it together tonight. Always be joyful. There, there they go again, talking that impossible stuff. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. And here's the phrase for emphasis. For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. This is God's will. And we're focusing on this idea of breathing, almost like a, a snorkel. If you, anyone ever snorkel? No? I love snorkeling. I really do. It's almost like a snorkel, like an airline, like you are an eternal spiritual being having a temporary natural experience and your conversation with God, that is your airline, your snorkel. It is your breathing. It is letting your spirit breathe. Ben, come up here with me just real quick. So I've used this example of a constant conversation. So Ben is my friend, and th this is Ben Farrell, if you have not met him yet. So just, just walk with me just a little bit. So breathing in this never stop praying from First Thessalonians is a constant conversation. So whether I am standing still, I can be aware, let's say Ben is God. <laughs> He's got a good name, it was a, he was a good person to figure out. So I can just be still 
and know that he is God and know what he's like. Right? When he described his own name in, in Exodus 34, he said, I'm a God full of mercy, abounding in mercy, slow to anger, forgiving. So I can just be still and breathe and be in his presence. And whatever time of day it is, last night Rebecca woke me up many times. She had to take some medicine and her alarm woke me up. In the middle of the night, I can be still and breathe and think about who God is. And then I can go about my day. I can go and I, I can be in a constant awareness. And I can be at Erica and Nat's house and we can be having a good time. And we can, and then the partying can turn into some concern. Probably another dog that needs some, <laughs> a home, some place to go. And I can pause and I can say, God, help this dog, not Erica, the dog that she's concerned about, help this dog have a home. Nothing's too small for God, right? I can be at work and Trevor, my boss, is really stressing me out. He's asking me to do stuff that I don't know how to do. And I can pause and I can say, God, help me do that, right? And I can say, God, what do you think about Trevor? And he's, God has positive thoughts. And that might be exactly what I need. God has positive thoughts about Trevor. And I need to be aware of that so I don't murder Trevor. Right? 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 Thank you. So it's kind of like everywhere I go in my day, in my life, a constant God consciousness. Ancient Christians have called this the daily office. And that is at least five times a day to pause and have a moment of silence and a moment of reflection. Most of you know I'm not good at silence. I'm a verbal processor. That's what they call it, where you talk things out, right? So it's good to pause, to breathe, to have a constant God consciousness. Let's look at this second verse that we've read a couple times. Ashley, don't go anywhere. I got something for you right now. I urge you, come here. I urge you, first of all, I urge you, first of all, to pray... For all people, can you put that on for me? Can you put that on? And just, can you stand here with me for a sec? (laughs) Doesn't she look great? (laughs) I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Daniel, can you put this one on? Here, Gideon, you put this one on. Here, what else? How many do I have? Here, Charlotte, you want to put this one on? Here, Mariah. Here, put this one on. Okay, I urge you, okay, if you're, wearing, if you're wearing a hat, stand up. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Here, okay, here, let's, Junior, here, put, oh, almost made it. Here, you stand up, and you, why don't you put that on? Don't worry, nothing's going to jump out of it. Okay, so you guys stay standing. So what does the word say? What does Paul say to Timothy? I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, right? Now, what if I'm a purple person like Ashlyn? And I'm a purple person who likes Frozen. Let it go, let it go. How does it go? Let it go, let it go. Yes, good, good. So let's say that I'm a purple person 
And there are red people. Where's my other? Right here, Mariah. There are red people and there are blue people. Some of you adults are aware that we're going into a season where people are telling us that red people don't like blue people and blue people don't like red people. Y'all savvy? You know what I'm, you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? You're going to hear a lot of that. Like blue people, man, they don't think right. They're not smart. They're not nice. Red people, they're just dumb, right? They just, how could you vote for a, well, we're not going to go there, right? There's a lot of people, a lot of people are saying that us purple people should, red people don't like blue people, so we're the best. (laughs) A purple people, right? But what does the Bible say? I should pray for who? All people. Now, what over here, we have black people and white people. <laughs> Give me your best nasally voice, Junior. Give me your best. <laughs> so, and, and don't you know that there's people in our lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods that tell us that black people shouldn't like white people, white people shouldn't like black people. I'm just talking about the colors of the hats. I don't know, I don't know why y'all are getting nervous in here. I'm just talking about the colors of the hats. Now, us purple people know this. Race is a social construct. There is one race, the human race. God created the human race. Now, there are different ethnicities ethnic how you were born and there are different cultures the soup that you swim in of the jokes that you like the music that you listen to the movies that you your language your vocabulary that's culture within ethnicities there can be many different cultures in our church we are culturally diverse we are ethnically diverse we are also educationally diverse Y'all, some of we don't, because people don't brag, we got PhDs in this church, we have people with less education, right? We we are economically diverse, right? And people that make all different sorts of different kinds of, of money, right? So, but to the glory of God... Even though I might, as Junior was talking about earlier, when I have a conflict with someone, I'm t- I would tend to normally feel this way because I'm a purple person. <laughs> you gotta watch out for the purple people eater. <laughs> if I, that I might feel superior to the red and blue people. But if I am in Jesus, I should pray for all people. Yes. Are you with me? Okay, you can sit down. Thank you. You can sit down. Thank you. You can keep that. (laughs) I want that one back. (laughs) That's my new hat. Okay, so pray for all people. Now, I, I have found over the years that it's really easy for people that are church folks to talk about praying for others, but that actually praying for others is, is not as common. Right? And I've also found that when you actually pray for other people, it helps. I had one uh, relationship in particular, one young guy that I was working with that I was very frustrated with. And one day I just stopped and I said, God, I need your help. And as clear as you're sitting here, I heard God say, you take care of this, this, and this. 
and I'll take care of that, that, and that. Boom. I had a peace. I knew what God wanted me to focus on. I wasn't as stressed. I was a different person. The next time that I was with him, everything went smooth. When you pray for somebody else, you might change, right? Now, what we got to ask, though, is when I pray for somebody else, what is my fuel? So you, guys, you guys recognize these people right here? What, what is my fuel? And the fuel should be the gratitude, according to the verses that we've read, right? So when, in my gratitude, I could say, thank you, God. Thank you for putting this person in my life. She's thanking you that God put you in her life. God, please help this person with whatever this issue is. God, please help me see what I should do. Does that sound good? Right? That's how we can do this. Don't worry about anything. About, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, I want to come back to the Timothy passage and, and just break that down just a little bit. We see a few really distinct things here if you think about what he's saying in this verse. One is he's telling Timothy to pray for people with an urgency because there's an urgency in their need. And you notice that he's telling Timothy to pray for them about things that Timothy is not capable of doing. For example... I know that Daniel likes Frosties. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> and it might be a hot summer day. I know you're a little chilly right now, so let's think about a hot summer day. It might be a hot summer day, and Daniel might be wanting a Frosty. What Paul is not talking about is me asking God to give him a Frosty when the $2 is in my pocket already that I could use to buy him a Frosty. You understand what I'm saying? Right? He's not talking about asking God to do what you are capable of doing for the person. Now, that's an important distinction because we all have people in our lives, whether we like them or not, love them or not, wh wherever our emotions are in the whole thing, we all have people in our lives that have needs that are beyond our ability to accomplish. Are you with me? And God wants there to be an urgency for us to ask him for the things that we're not capable of doing, but also that we would ask him with a childlike faith, a childlike confidence that God is alive, aware, and able to answer that prayer request. Does that make sense? Okay, so I want to just break this down just a little bit more. Last week we zeroed in on, last week we zeroed in on praying for people that are not believers. Remember that? Now tonight I want to broaden the scope just a little bit. In, in, a little less micro, a little bit more macro, okay? I think that it's healthy for us to ask the question that's on the screen a lot more frequently, and to start to write down what we believe the answers to be. Whether it's looking at the man in the mirror. You remember that last week? Oh, you missed. I'm looking at the man in. Okay, whether it's looking at the person that's in the mirror. Or whether it's looking at what's going on at your job, in your neighborhood, in your house. 
in Baltimore City, in whatever it is that you're looking at, we should be asking the question, what would God want to be different? It's time for us to pray bigger prayers. I think God's waiting for us to ask Him to do things that are beyond our own ability to do. What would God want to be different? So, who would like to try to juggle? I, I have two, right? Who? What? Okay, you want to try? Here. Okay, I just have, I just have two, two balls. Now, but you got to do that one-handed. On, only one, one, you got to put one hand behind your back. And two, both balls. You want to warm up with both hands first? <laughs> okay, warm up with both hands first. All right, that's good. Good. Okay, now, you going to try to do one? There you go. <laughs> that's okay. That's a, good, that's a good start. You want to try it again? Go ahead. There you go. There you go. Good. Okay, now, there might be somebody in your life that has an issue with ability, okay? They might not be able to do what is in their heart that they're passionate to do. There might be something going on on the inside of them. Keep this hand, this hand's back here, right? There's something, there's something, you might see somebody, and it may be an addiction, right? One in eight Baltimore City residents is addicted. It might be in disease. It might be in unemployment, underemployment. It might be in a lack of education. It could be a lack of understanding of the Bible and their spiritual gifts. I don't know. Could be anything. But there might be somebody in your life and you, you look at them and you're watching them trying to juggle with one hand and you're saying, what, what would God want to be different? Right? Go with both hands now. There you go. Yeah, good, all right. <laughs> good job. So what God would want to be different is God created people with design. He loves people. He wants people to be different. He wants people to be able to function fully, right? That's God. I mean, we got to get to know our God to be able to kind of answer this question. It really helps. But that's what God would want, right? God, and so our prayer, we can start to write lists, you can thumb punch it in your phone. You can tattoo it on your hand. I'm just saying it could be, right? You can come up, and you realize you can start to write out prayer lists that are short-term and long-term. Small and detailed and big picture. Am I making sense? Right? God caused his arm to grow back. Right? Or God gave him the ability to juggle with one hand. or what? You can start to when you're praying with somebody with their ability. Now, Charlotte, Guinea, come here. Okay. Okay. Here, let's let's walk out in the middle. It's almost Star Wars time. Okay. You stand over here. Okay. Now. You excited? Okay. So just not no real pain, but but 
<laughs> but I want you to, to kind of slash at your sister a little bit, okay? Okay. Yeah. Now, go ahead, keep going. He's like, Dad doesn't let me do this. <laughs> now, let's say I'm going to be asking the question, what would God want to be different? And let's say that we have people in our lives and somebody is using their words like a knife, slashing at somebody else, right? And we know that hurt people hurt people, right? Now, what would God want to be different? Right? He, he would want there to be something different going on on the inside of here so that he's not slashing, right? And he would, he would want to bring healing, right? <laughs> he would want to bring healing, right? He would want to bring peace. Our God is a God of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? Yeah? Thank you, guys. That's good. <laughs> you can hold on to it. That's yours. And yet, don't you see now how it's easy to live life and not ask the question, what would God want to be different? Right? Down to the detail, down to the small stuff, down to the stuff that is around us, whether it's a relationship between you and somebody else, a relationship in your home, or a relationship in your neighborhood. Um, we, I saw um, a video experiment that was done where um, a town home was for rent, a, a row home was for rent in a neighborhood, and <clears throat> they brought in a young guy, rented the house out, and set up a drum set in the house, like this one right over here, and started playing full volume at night about... 9, 10, 10, 30, 11, and then they had video cameras outside the house and inside the house, and and the a number of people that were knocking on the door or yelling through a window or whatever, telling this guy, like, you, please, please stop, you gotta stop. And then the same guy, the next night, they put on an audio track at the same volume that sounded like a domestic abuse situation. And nobody knocked on the door and nobody called the police. What's really common when we see slashing, whether it's just verbal or whatever, is for us to do this. Right? My Lord! The bare minimum should be, what would God want to be different? In whatever form of brokenness that's going on in the person's life, right? And then to start with praying for that person. In fact, if you were to take the sum total of what all the scripture says, well, all that God communicates to us through the scripture you would not come away with a jump first, speak first. You would come away with a pray first. Now, I'm not saying you don't get in the way when you hear what I'm saying, right? Pray first, right? What would God want to be different? 
pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now this kind of gets your faith engine, your vision engine flowing a little bit because you need a little bit of imagination, right? Now, Paul, who was Paul? Paul was Saul before his name was changed, before his Jesus encounter, and he was murdering Christians. I'm praying for some Sauls, some murderers in Baltimore City to become Christians, to come to this church, to be the next leaders in this city, to bring change in this city. What would God want to be different? Right? And so, I can pray for their souls and give thanks for them. Yes, even the worst person in your life, you can give thanks for them. You can. Thank you, God, that they're alive and change them in the name of Jesus. Right? Thank you, God, for them. I give thanks for them. So whether it's an issue of hurt, whether it's an issue of ability, I've got to believe that God is alive, God is aware, and God is able to make a change. Amen? Okay, you ready for one more thought? Let's do one more thought tonight. I like this quote. Finding our way through duty to delight. I love the scientific method. I find that not a lot of Christians apply the scientific method to their faith. Let me explain what I mean. Experiments, you set up controlled circumstances, uh, situation, right? You do an experiment, you perform a procedure, mixing chemicals. I love doing that. See what would explode. I'm a little pyromaniac, right? And see what would happen. And then you clean everything up. You start over, use the same conditions and alter one thing, right? And then do it again and see what's different. Oftentimes we give up on prayer right when we should persist, right when we should continue. Prayer involves self-control, discipline, doing Sometimes something that you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. A constant conversation with God, a constant awareness of God of never stop praying involves doing stuff sometimes when you don't feel like it. There's no warm fuzzies. There isn't Jimmy there to play, Jesus at the center of it all. (laughs) God, I'm not feeling it today. But what I find is that the scientific brain uses the scientific method to try to figure out a solution, but most scientists at some point were a little bit like me. When I was a kid and my mom got this new little boombox, I wanted to figure out how it worked, so I took it apart. It was a spontaneous, joyful experience, until it wasn't. And I couldn't put it back together again. What you can find is that through duty, through self-control, through discipline, through choosing to be aware of God even when you don't feel like it, you will discover a delight, a joy, 
a victory. It works. If you work it, it works. If you work it. Right? Uh, Finding our way through duty to delight. Because at the end of the day, the truth is that in the face of evil, our hope remains because God continues his work. Whatever the evil is, your sin nature, somebody hurting somebody else with a lightsaber of their words, somebody off trying to juggle by themselves, whatever the evil is, in whatever state you are in, our hope remains. We have a wreath on our front door now. The wreath was actually an ancient Christian symbol that with the birth of Jesus came a hope that never ends. It never ends. That circle that is forever. With the birth of Jesus, there is a hope that never ends. Never runs out. Never fails. Always there for us. Whatever you're facing, whatever it is you see around you that should not be, Our hope remains. Our hope remains because God continues His work. There's nothing too hard for our God. Amen? Praying for others, asking the question, what can our God do? Maybe the most important thing we'll do this month. Let's stand and close in a word for prayer.